What uh, what did we not talk about in Star Wars? Have you noticed that in Star Wars, everybody is always eating bowls of nondescript white porridge? I mean, everywhere <laughs> in the films, you see people taking large dollops of this nondescript porridge. Man, it's like that's all anybody eats. Yeah, uh, I know. I know what it is, man. What is it? Yeah, it's New England style clam chowder. <laughs> <laughs> like shitty clam chowder. Yeah, it's the the mon Cal- the mon calamari. It's like a specialty of theirs. It's like it's what everybody eats in the galaxy. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> yeah, like uh, you know, it's just like it's like it's a trap. I I thought of that because my kids' baby food reminds me of that. When I mix up the rice cereal and the formula with a little bit of pureed food, it's like I'm like this is what everybody's eating in Star Wars, man. And the first film we. Starts to start off strong in the first film. You know, they're hanging out, Tatooine, power converters, they're fixing condensers, dude. There's droids all around. They're like, oh, let's go take a break and eat lunch. It's like, oh, hey, how about some porridge, man? You know? And then it continues right into <laughs> Jedi, dude. Luke finally makes it back to Dagobah. What's Yoda cooking up? Big ass pot of porridge, dude. You know, he's like, first thing he does in the scene is he grabs a bowl of porridge. Everybody knows we're sponsored by Admiral Akbar's New England style clam chowder, man. Dude, <laughs> nice. <laughs> I bet oh I thought God. you were going to say Admiral Akbar cereal, but let's let's warm up some cans of Admiral Akbar's New England style clam chowder, kids. You can't repel flavor of that magnitude. <laughs> <laughs> right? uh, perfect, perfect. Good, I like good, it. Good opener for the show, gang. Broadcasting live from inside the power band. Power Band! It's the Blah Podcast. In this episode, everybody dies. I'm Kevin. With me, as always, is my two fantabulous sidekicks, Ben and Chad. Gentlemen. Yo. Hey, Ben here. Hello, people outside the Power Band. (laughs) Enthusiastic, as always. Folks, this week we're talking about Captain Marvel, or as we like to call it here on the podcast, Captain Marvel. Let's open it up with Jarhigo. 90s goodness. Right? Cats with tentacles that shoot out of their mouths. Yes. Boo. What more could you want from film? Exactly, right? (laughs) Yeah, I was feeling it, man. I was feeling it. I was feeling it hard. I don't know if I was feeling the 90s goodness, though. It's a little too tight. It's a little too close. Yeah, I get that. Make you feel old? No, I get what he's saying. No, I get what you're saying. Like, it's, you're saying it's just, like, the 90s was just five minutes ago, so it's not like, oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's no nostalgic goodness to that shit. It's just like, oh, yeah, whatever. That's it. Yeah. No, there's not. <laughs> I, I, the, I will say this. The only thing that we can sort of spin off on this for the beginning, like, I will say that the the one thing that did I did get nostalgic about in the film was the soundtrack portion of the film. So this one also was chock full of uh, yummy girl power. Uh, 90s rock tunes, man, like um, Celebrity Skin by uh, Hole and Courtney Love. Totally. And uh, Elastica and No Doubt. And I thought that was awesome, man. And I love the songs that they chose. I thought they were fantastic, man. It really just sort of accentuated the uh, girl power pop of the film. I thought it was great. Yeah, I think it was good. I didn't see that coming, but uh, but as soon as she crashed through the roof of a blockbuster video, I was like, okay, this is what we're doing. Exactly, right? <laughs> I know. That was great. And Sam Jackson driving the old Ford, uh, you know, the LTD <laughs> or whatever it was. Or no, he was, no, and, and then I think later he was driving a Caprice, like the old Caprice. Yeah, Ben, you mentioned a second ago how the movie didn't really hit the nostalgia point for you because it was been so soon. And like one of the overall things for the movie for me was that I realized pretty early on that the movie isn't meant for us. It's kind of meant for a different group of people. Other nerds? No, no. It's, it's like a girl power style, yeah. you know, rah-rah kind of a, a film. And which is totally fine. Um, it just meant that at first I wasn't super stoked on the movie. And then the more I thought about it, the more I realized it was not made for me and how totally fine that is. So, I mean, I think it isn't nostalgic for us because we live through it, generally speaking, but it would be nostalgic. It might be nostalgic for others and it might also be interesting for younger people who didn't live through it, you know? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think you're, I think you have, you got, you're on something there, though. I, I did enjoy it and it wasn't like I was alienated by the, uh, 
by the girl power of the whole thing. I no, thought it was no. great. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, where something like Guardians like is queerly like aimed directly at my forehead <laughs> with a laser pointer, you know, um, this this was, you know, it was it was meant for it was meant for other people to enjoy more, perhaps, but it didn't stop me from enjoying the fuck out of it. No way. Yeah, yeah. We took. Uh, I went to a, a different theater to see this film last week. I took my two older kids, and it had um, the entire theater had leather barca loungers that reclined almost to a lying up almost to a prone position. They were heated two stage heated Barco loungers. <laughs> it was unreal. Sweet. So I felt like you pissed yourself the whole time. Oh my God. It was incredible, <laughs> man. I was like, wow, this is, he had a, he had a catheter in living man. L I V N. Totally. Yeah, I did. I said, Hey, can you grab me a catheter while you're out there at the snack bar? <clears throat> uh, yeah, I'll take the large corn and the catheter, please. <laughs> <laughs> good times man i i just really i i don't know i'm not gonna say anything like you know groundbreaking here but i just thought the film was great i loved the whole thing when i saw that she was the lead and i didn't realize at the time that she had won an, an academy award for the best actress for room for room yeah i and I've, i haven't i haven't seen that film but um, I was kind of like, I don't know about her, man. I don't know. She doesn't seem like very superhero-y, but um, damn, if she didn't bring the thunder, man, she was great. Yeah, she's awesome. You know, and, uh, you know, Ben Mendelsohn. I've loved her ever since uh, Scott Pilgrim. Like, I thought she kind of had a heroic vibe in Scott Pilgrim just because of, like, oh, fuck yeah. the nature of the film was kind of caricatures and badassedness from all parties. Yeah, right. I, I never saw that. I, I've had it in my next Netflix queue for about eight years. You've never seen Scott fucking Pilgrim? Holy crap, man. No, dude. Should I see it? Yeah, yeah, totally. It might not quite hit the same notes now because of, you know, a little bit of time has passed, but it's like, was one of my favorite films. It's fucking hilarious. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. Scott Pilgrim Saves the World is really good. Um, Duly noted. We should watch it and do, uh, you know. We should definitely talk about it. Your podcast. Yeah. 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 Let's do that. That sounds like a great idea. So sorry, I interrupted you, Mulvey. You were saying you didn't expect Brie to be good, Brie Larson to be good. I didn't expect her to be super heroiny, but she was great. She brought the thunder, and Ben Mendelsohn. Uh, you know, I'm just talking about the cast. Like he's incredible. You know, he was great as Krennic in Rogue One, which is a I'm a yeah, huge fan totally. of. And we've talked about that before in the Star Wars episodes, and um, you know, all there was a lot of supporting players in there that I'd never even seen before that were fantastic, like uh, the gal that played. Uh, Rambo in a delicious little pun and um <laughs> well it was a pun but it was also the name of the character in the comic book sort of so you know whatever but uh you know Sam Jackson of course Clark Gregg like everybody was just great what can I say really really good really well done great script you know and again talking about taking a, a title that is just like nowhere in the Marvel universe like talking about comics for a second like Captain Marvel is like GOG, man. It is like in the dusty corner in the back room you never go in. You know what I mean? Like, it was never like really massively huge. Maybe it was in the later years. They've, they've done a bunch of revamps in the, in the last 10 years. But I, I like how they're taking these titles like that and GOG and they're making them into these films and they're sort of revamping them and making these characters prominent. And it's cool. You know, and it's a great character. What can I say? Yeah, yeah. It is a super interesting character for sure, especially the way they developed it. Totally. Oh, Annette Benning. I forgot. Annette Benning. She's amazing. I was so psyched that she was in the film. Yeah. And Jude Law. I'm like forgetting everybody. Jude Law. He was great too. CGI'd up Samuel L. Jackson. Yes. They did a great job. It's one of the first CGI'd characters that I thought they did well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it kind of sucks that he was CGI'd up, but it was great to see him like with, a, with like a, a, lot of, a lot of screen time, a lot of lines and a lot of screen time in the movie. Yeah, um, it was. Because you're, you're, you're right, Ben. F Fury always just kind of dips in and he like says something cool and then he's like, all right, I'm out of here, man. I got to go hide for another five years, you know, like that's like his M.O., dude. So, yeah, that was really cool. In fact, they did such a good job with it that my uh, 12 year old, he, he, he turned over to me at one point during the film. And he's like, who is that guy? And I said, dude, that's Nick Fury. And he's like, that's not Nick Fury. I was like, yeah, that's Nick Fury. 
He's like, but it's like a different actor. I go, no, same actor. He's got hair. (laughs) (laughs) He's young. (laughs) Listen, Timmy, as you get older, things change. Your body changes. And you lose your hair, Billy. That's what happens. Uh, uh, Can we go back? Can we go back to the 90s goodness for a quick aside here really quick? Did everybody notice uh, uh, Stan Lee studying his lines for Mallrats? I loved it. I <laughs> loved that so much. I loved that too. That was great. I, I, I just wanted to bring that up quick before it got lost. It was like the perfect final cameo. Yeah. For those that didn't pick up on it, Benny, what, what exactly was happening? What the uh, Easter egg was for those that might not know? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, you know, Captain Marvel is chasing a scroll through a train and one of the passengers on the train happens to be Stan Lee and he's got a script in his hands and it says Mallrats on the, to- the front of it and he's practicing his lines of course Stan Lee was in Mallrats in the 90s so as himself as a major character I might add. as himself yeah as a yeah. as a perfect a perfect like send-off cameo yeah, yeah if they never knew another cameo which I don't they they have said what they're going to do with his cameos in future and I didn't I haven't heard it so I don't know but that was like the best final cameo ever if it is one if it is the last one i agree and i'll say i'll say this too like i really thought that the um the well firstly i don't like that they got away from the old sort of comic book pages flipping marvel beginning that they used to use i don't really care for the new like mcu version when all the films start but what I did like a lot was the um, how they showed every single one of Stan's cameos in the opening Marvel thing. Like that was really, really great. And I, I really hope that they show that like that for at least a year. Yeah, it was really tastefully done in terms of a tribute. Yeah, absolutely. Um, quick question. What would you guys rate the film out of 10? Ooh, great question. Ben? Um, going with a very enthusiastic... 7.5. Cool. Um, Chad, before I answer, I I have to know why Jarhigo rated it a 7.5. Roger that. Um, well, I mean, uh, just it's it's placed within my least favorite and most favorite. I mean, I think it, it, to to uh get a better understanding of why I have a 7.5, Kev, we should probably all for the show notes uh do a ranking of our marvel movies ooh and uh that'll that'll give us like a we should do a show of the ranking of the marvel movies ooh. a show of a ranking sure whoa, yeah, whoa. yeah we are mossy with ideas tonight i love yeah. it i don't i don't know that any of them have a 10 they're they're all like in the you know the the highest ones are probably in the in the nines and the lowest ones are probably in the fives you know so okay that's a great that's a good answer yeah. that's uh, that's so 7.5 seven, well, i'll say 8 how's that no, no, keep the, keep the original. I really was, I was admiring your score and your reasoning for your score. It, it could, it could go up. It could go up. It could go up, but you, you're actually right because, you know, when you look at, you got to look at it as a film too, you know, it's like, yeah, it's a superhero romp and we love comics and superhero stuff, like whatever, that's the kind of people we are, but it's a movie too. So if you're rating it as a film, Seven point seven point five enthusiastic. Sorry, enthusiastic seven point five is a solid rating, and I'm gonna I'm gonna match that rating actually. Right on. All right, all right. Well, I clearly have a stick up my ass because uh, in the movie theater I was feeling like it was a three out of ten, and I think the movie finished up as a four out of ten. Whoa! Wow! Call President Trump. <laughs> Fake news. <laughs> or who's who's the president of Australia? Uh, I don't fucking know. I should probably find out because I'm going to be a citizen soon. Yeah, that would probably be a good idea. <laughs> God, I, I didn't vote for him. <laughs> I, I I I don't I don't know. Uh, you know, Chad. You know what you're like. You're like those people that I described in the uh, Apple hate episode when when i hand them my android phone and they're they're like i i i don't even i i don't i don't know what that is what is what is this i don't even know what this is i don't even know how to do that that's what you're like with the president of australia it's funny you should say that because as i've mentioned before in other episodes i don't watch trailers or find out anything about a movie because i'd rather go in without knowing anything and just experience the film for what it is and i didn't realize until afterwards um reading up a little bit before this sh- this show that um, there was quite a controversy around the film and, Ooh. you know, lots of internet trolls and, you know, misogynistic idiots oh, God. kicking up a stink and being trolls oh, boy, and all that. I didn't know what? any of that stuff. What, because girl power? Come on. What was the controversy? Well, yeah, so, like, just a super quick summary is um, there's a, a little video I watched that summarized it quite well. I'll chuck it in the show notes, but 
Brie Larson made some comments at a at a panel discussion saying like she doesn't need a 40 year old white dude's opinion. So that's perfect for our show and our, our putting this out. Um, and I think that some of the more sensitive Star Wars fan style trolls took offense at that. Whereas what she was basically saying was like the show, the movie isn't for you guys. It's for other people. Don't get all bent out of shape because every other movie is for you. It's kind of like, which did she just say it unprompted or was it in response to something? Uh, I don't, I, I didn't listen to the recording of her, whether it was a response to a question or not. Either way, I think the, the point was that it was for more, it was for everybody and not just what every other movie is, you know, it was for everybody. That's what she was trying to get across. And it was like, don't really need to hear your opinion, guys, because it's not just for you. It's for everybody. But as people do, they take it out of context. So, I mean, they just took it out of context. The trolls blew up and it was this huge thing where, you know, all the trolls went on to Rotten Tomatoes and like 5,000 people rated it zero before the movie had come out, before they'd seen it. And just stupid shit that people do online now. Oh, my God. It kind of, you know, turned into a big thing. And then thankfully, uh, the movie's done very well and it broke a billion at the box office. So all the trolls can just shut the fuck up. But the troll reaction to Brie Larson's point was stupid. But Brie Larson's point, I tend to agree with, which is like the movie isn't necessarily meant for for us. And that's okay. And we can experience it and we can enjoy it or not enjoy it. And so what? Right. An example is like of the of the behavior is uh, Emma works in a corporate office and every year she's on like a committee, like leading with impact about like women in the workplace. And they do like an International Women's Day thing every year. And every year they bust their ass trying to come up with an idea that, that benefits, you know, the topic. And every year some dickhead dude's like, this is fucking stupid. And it's just like, when's International Men's Day? And it's like every other fucking day is International Men's Wednesday, dude can you not just like shut up for for 10 fucking minutes you know <laughs> i chad i didn't realize that those dildos existed in australia as well as in the u.s i thought that was just a u.s uh i thought that was just a u.s occurrence <laughs> they're everywhere man <laughs> so the the controversy happened around the movie and people like that got bent out of shape but it, it doesn't change the fact that the movie i i feel the movie wasn't meant for me and that's okay and the reasons that i didn't thoroughly enjoy it i enjoyed it but i didn't thoroughly enjoy it is because it wasn't targeted at me and that's cool so the three out of ten for me is just an overall some of the specifics that are not related to all of this misogynistic bullshit are the cat squid thing made me roll my fucking eyes and the memory probe sequence in the beginning i found really like i just didn't think it was a a well-executed sequence like it was i just kind of i ended up rolling my eyes at quite a few times through the movie and maybe i take these things too seriously but just judging it as a film and not as like a, a culture piece it didn't quite hit all of the right notes for me and ended up yeah. you know a four. i'm gonna go ahead and say that i the bar for me is like set at a certain level for the for those kinds of movies man i agree you have to it has to be not, not for not for female superhero movies for superhero movies in general the bar is set like at a certain level and you know i feel like that's where that's where the recording level is is good and the peaks and valleys are <laughs> are not booming or are too quiet so that's where my 7.5 comes from i think that's a good way to put it because i clearly take things too seriously and i'm fine with that and i'm not going to change but i think the way you just described it is a great way to understand that I seem to treat all films on one spectrum, um, which means that, like, you know, Captain Marvel versus The Godfather Part 2, like, it's pretty obvious what's the better piece of cinema, but... <laughs> And, and and therefore the rankings are going to you know show accordingly. But I I completely think that the way you're approaching it with having different kind of spectrums for different genres or different types of movies is perfectly valid. I just for whatever reason have either never thought to do that or don't just don't do that out of choice. Yeah, sure. And also on my left to my own devices, I might choose to watch Captain Marvel again over watching The Godfather Two. Yeah, fair enough. You know, I mean, The Godfather Two is a fucking amazing movie, but maybe I'm just it's too heavy for me at the moment. Different flavor, I mean? yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I had the same reaction with Guardians, where I didn't like it at first, and it took me a while to kind of find my feet. And it might just be the way that I approach these things. It's just yeah, not right or wrong, but it's just kind of the way that I have a first impression. You know what I think. I think that a you definitely win the award for the um, the award for the most nerdified response to the posed question <laughs> in this particular frame of time in an episode, Chad. Secondly, I dig a little deep sometimes. No, 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 it's totally cool. You know, I'm just having fun, dude. The other thing I'm going to say is that I would like 
everything that you just said to be read in the voice of the comic book guy from The Simpsons. And then I think it'll be perfect. (laughs) That's awesome. If I could just chime in one more time with one small thing before we change the topic, which we should definitely do. The more, the more I thought about all of the things I just said in terms of the movie not being for me and my grumpiness with certain elements of the, the film, including the soundtrack, I really enjoyed it first, but then got a little bit tired of the, the girl power stuff, like the fucking Top Gun dogfight with like, don't go chasing waterfalls. I just wanted to like, <laughs> I just wanted to go back in time to the moment when I threw my sister's TLC CD out the window of the car because I was so fucking sick of hearing it. And just do it again. Yeah. yeah. Um, but again, that's just me being a curmudgeonly, you know, privileged white dude. So right. the, the, the last thing I'll say is that it's highly possible that my opinion is biased. Criticizing the like girl power stuff could be similar to how people tell women to smile more and that strong women are shrill. Like, I feel like there's serious cultural biases that can seep into your opinion without you knowing it. So I just want to say out loud that it's highly possible that a lot of this is just bias based on my not, you know, being aware enough of of where I sit in all that in that whole space and I'm and I'm fully cognizant of the fact that the movie's not for me and that I'm super pumped for the fact that, you know, there's been a lot of really great movies recently with all female casts or diverse casts. I just feel like some of those other movies did it better than Captain Marvel. So like Ghostbusters and Wonder Woman and Black Panther, I thought were all, you know, as films were were better executed. And that's kind of why I ranked it the way I did. Uh, I fucking hated Ghostbusters. Uh, really? And not for anything about the female cast. I just did not find it funny at all. Yes. I rated it a three out of 10. <laughs> and you can be sure I was on the internet within moments registering my disgust. <laughs> oh, man. I loved Wonder Woman. I thought Wonder Woman was great. Like Wonder Woman comes in at like an eight point five. <laughs> well, uh, you know, all, uh, any polit- uh, socio political statements aside, I, I don't. I don't think it has anything to do with being a, a, a white privilege forty or forty something year old man to feel like throwing waterfalls your sister's <laughs> CD out the window because you're tired of that song, especially anything from the nineties, because. I mean, I would have done the same thing with Come As You Are by Nirvana. Sure. Fair enough. (laughs) It has nothing to do with chasing waterfalls. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, trying to be serious for a second, I'm done uh, goofing around. I think uh, I I totally get why you rated it a three. Four. And I get everything that you said. And you're spot on in many respects, you know. And and honestly, Wonder Woman did it way better, is my personal opinion. Um, Wonder Woman... Because what I was going to say before when you were talking about the controversy was I was going to say that it was ironic that when Wonder Woman came out, it was the same damn thing. Like the Alamo Theater chain down in Austin, I'm pretty sure it was the Alamo, decided to do like a, like a ladies night for Wonder Woman. Yeah. In all these- Which is awesome. Right. It was totally awesome. Right. So all these men got all up in arms about it. And they were like, yeah, no, it's not against men. It's for women. Like, you're not involved, so uninvolve yourself, you know what I mean? And it was like, it's kind of like, here we go again, really? You know? It's like a... a it's not all a, about a, you, dude. A film where where women are in the forefront comes out again, and everybody's like all up in arms, especially when you put those women in traditional male roles. This is so funny, because this is so not where I thought this episode was going to go, but I'm glad we're talking about this. But, um, you know, when you put women in traditional male roles in these films, and it's like, then all of a sudden, all these guys are threatened by it. You know what I mean? So, going back to, to what you said, and what I was saying is that I think Wonder Woman did it way better, definitely, you know, and, and I get what you're saying about the music. I, I don't know, like, you know, sometimes I just go into a film and, and I think like Benny was saying a minute ago, like the, my bar is set at a certain level and it's like, it's fun. It's just pure fun and I'm going to have fun watching it. You know what I mean? And when, yeah. and when, you know, there's 90, some of the references come in and it's like, I'm the only one in the theater laughing and I really don't care. And, you know, when some of those songs come in, like, like Come As You Are, that was overplayed to death about eight zillion times in the 90s, I was still psyched to hear it. And I was totally psyched to hear Celebrity Skin and uh, that garbage track and Elastic, you know, like, I was psyched to hear all of it because it was just good fun, man. No, I feel like we touched on on that well. Yeah. But to continue on, Kev, because I don't I don't know if we ever actually got your uh, your number for the movie. Mine? No, Kev. Oh, Kev. Not all about it's not all about you, Chad. Okay. No, oh, god damn it. <laughs> you, you already gave your three to four out of ten rating. Okay. You already spoke for fifteen <laughs> minutes. Shut the fuck up. 
I ranked it a three out of ten. Three out of ten. Now let me launch into a twenty-minute socio-political commentary about <laughs> feminism in the twenty-first century. Okay. Touche. Touche. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So anyway, um, the answer to your question was, I, I did actually answer, Ben. I agreed with your score. I, my score was the same as your oh, score. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. No, no, no. So I, think an, I think an enthusiastic 7.5. And, and the reason was because really just what I said, like, I totally dig everything that Chad just said. And he's right. But I my bar was raised at like the fun level. And I was with my kids and I just wanted to go have fun seeing a Marvel movie. And it was like, you know, all those tunes came on and I was like, Yeah. You know, and there were some great references mm-hmm. in there that I was mm-hmm. laughing and people were not getting or not laughing in the theater. And I was laughing. I don't care. All those other nerds in the theater can yeah. go get a snack. I think uh, I think we should do like a, like a you know, quarterly or half year review on... Uh, on why we suck. Or, or like, I guess whenever, whenever or an in-depth DVD review whenever these movies come out so that we have more than like one or two watchings under our belt. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That is a killer, killer idea. You could almost do like a, a smorgasbord where like we talk about two or three of them. No, that is a killer idea too. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like as they all sort of like come out, we can, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a good idea because as a sort of a nerdy show, it would be good to get a little bit more of a deep dive on this stuff. I think that's a fantastic idea, Ben, and I, I would like to say uh, as a side note that you are on fire tonight with wonderful ideas. In fact, I can't stop thinking about the Chronicles of Riddick episode that we're going to be doing. I haven't stopped thinking about it since you brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't wait until the part where we get into uh, how much we love Carl Urban, which will assign us to Star Trek and him as Bones and Judge Dredd and uh, oh man, all, the, all that stuff. Let's do, you know what? Ben, let's do. I'm feeling like a Carl Urban tribute episode needs to happen, dude. I am with you. Oh. What do you think, Chad? I think that I'm opening up the topics list and I'm writing all this shit down. I think that's a great idea. <laughs> um, I was just gonna say, um, you know, kind of go back to what I was saying a few minutes ago about how they took a property like GOG that was sort of like you know in the dustbin in that you know that fifth room in the back that nobody ever goes into and they sort of resurrected it, you know, cause I did, I, I had known about Captain Marvel as a comic book reader, but that was it. Like I didn't know anything about the character at all. And I was, my understanding was that the character was a male. Um, so I did a bunch of reading about it and this, this character is <laughs> similar to the guardians of the galaxy and its origins and makeup. It was like, kind of like they were like, uh okay so so he's he's like this and he's got these powers and he does all of this stuff and then they were like five weeks later they were like you know what just forget that forget all that we're gonna, we're gonna go with something different <laughs> now he's the son of that guy that we just talked about he's the son of that guy and that guy has the same powers because he inherited him from his dad because you know the beyonder came in and he just stopped time and rearranged all the molecules in the universe so there you go there's your origin story and then like six weeks later they were like okay you know what that idea was i don't know but here's what's going to happen next um, when the Beyonder did that, he brought back um, his mom, and because his mom was alive now, she was still pregnant, and she had a daughter who was his sister, and now she's Captain Marvel. Like, that's how it read in my mind when I was reading it, and I was like, wow, okay. That's complicated. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. It's just sort of co- convoluted, like, let's let's just wipe the slate clean and start over again, you know, and again and again and again, like, whatever. I don't know. But that's funny, because it's almost like, even back in whenever the, the origins of Captain Marvel happened, the creators felt like they had to do goddamn Olympic gymnastics to not piss off the, like, ten dudes that read the old one. <laughs> You know, right, you have to right, yeah. you have to justify how my favorite character is being changed into a woman. You know, it's like, all right, dude, here you go. Oh my god, you're so right about that. It's like the te- the ten nerds that were the like the fans of the book were like, no, yeah, but they were writing it in on like typewritten paper, you know, with like spit all over it from how they're screaming at their typewriter while they wrote it and <laughs> mailed it via snail mail in like the eighties. Yeah, right, 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 exactly. No, dude, they weren't doing it on typewriter. They were doing on their portable 
Compaq computers. Oh, my gateway, my cow boxed gateway. Yeah, your cow boxed gateway. Oh, God, that was so horrid, man. So totally shifting gears. The movie, like thinking about it a little bit, immediately made me think of it lifting liberally from Top Gun, obviously, Terminator 2, and Superman. So for me, Top Gun, I don't even need to explain why it was like Top Gun. T2, she comes in like a Terminator and then steals some dude's bike and clothes, which I thought was awesome. A great little reference. And then Superman, when she's hovering in space, looking over the over the Earth, I, I don't recall Marvel really doing that kind of thing often. And it really reminded me of like Superman. So I, I thought it was quite cool how they kind of lifted elements from great movies of that time period and and whatnot. Yeah, I was I was feeling uh I was feeling some Superman vibes there for sure when she uh you know changes her costume to blue and red and gold and you know yeah like you said when she's like she's, the Earth is in the background and she's like out in space and blasting shit with these amazing I don't know girl power rays. <laughs> Did they ever actually explain what they are? Because <laughs> it's almost always like a Star Wars sequence with like battle, with like you know X wings and stuff, but she's just flying around just fucking shit up. It was it was quite quite cool just yeah just like dodging missiles and like blowing shit up and yeah or what yeah or how about how about the part when she flew through a ship and it blew up that that was pretty was cool. wonderful i thought they did a good job um a quick aside like in sort of back to the feminism thing i thought they did a good job of like her costume not being like hyper sexualized but still being like you know like this like strong and feminine kind of thing she also wasn't dressed like a quaker yeah yeah it was it, yeah it wasn't i mean it, you know I, I think they did the same thing with one woman but this was like even a little less sexualized I think. yeah yeah and uh, the fact that the whole team of Cree or whatever wore the same outfit and it was a uniform that that she then tweaked it was quite well done yeah yeah i love yeah. i loved that i thought that that was super cool you know like i'll just keep the uniform like nobody was like Okay, here you go. I made you this super cool uniform. Now yeah. it's made out of this really cool fabric, and you can fly in it, and nothing will happen. And like you can run super fast, and it won't fall apart. Like I was so glad I didn't have to endure that again, for again, the millionth time. Yeah, yeah. Literally, it's like her and the little girl. She's like, oh yeah, you can like fuck with the color settings. Like, ah, right, here you go for it. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> How funny would it have been if it was like Spider-Man, though, where she just like buys a bunch of blue and uh, red sweatshirts and just stitches them all together all <laughs> fucked up. That would have been cool. <laughs> right? Uh, that would have been that would have been good, actually. Even if it was just like a, a, a funny like joke that they played on the audience. We're like, nah, just kidding. I'm going to wear this like futuristic shit instead. That would have been yeah. funny. Well, I mean, I'm I'm guessing that the uniform also had some functionality in the fact that, like, yeah, probably yeah. seemed to the, the whole like mask with the mohawk sort of setting seemed to be like a space helmet. That yeah, it, totally, you know. dude. It was like a you know, it it has like a armband gauntlet on the left side with like you know various different readouts. Ben, right? I was just thinking that man, like, it just immediately jumped out at me that she had like a predator thing on her on her arm. Oh man, yeah, it was a gauntlet for for giving you various different readouts about various different things. I mean, like, who doesn't have one of those? Who doesn't need one of those? I mean, everybody should have one. Okay, clearly there's nothing original about this movie. They ripped off the Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> they ripped off Predator. <laughs> they ripped off Superman. <laughs> I thought it was hackneyed and tired. But I think I think that they did. But I think that it worked really well. I think that the. It was an example of people lifting from other films, just like little bits and bobs as kind of fan service and as references to the 90s. Instead of like a Star Wars where they're just like, hey, remember that movie everyone liked in the 70s? Let's remake the exact same fucking movie. And it's like, yeah, cool, man. At least in this case, they were pulling little bits and bobs and picking up on the stuff was quite fun. You know, like it, it took the original movie's telling of it and flipped it on its head, you know, like. The fighter pilot's a misogynistic asshole, and she's just like, fuck you, dude, instead of it being like, oh, wow, I'm going to swoon because you have a penis, you know? Or like, right, the yeah. dude pulls up on his motorcycle and is hitting on her, and she's just like, whatever, bro, and then steals his bike. It's like, ooh, nice bike. I'm taking it. <laughs> yeah, it was great. <laughs> I'm glad you stopped because I like your motorcycle, and I am going to drive it. <laughs> yeah, that was funny, man. I, I don't, I mean, look, there's ways to do homages and there's ways not to do it. And that was the way to do it. You know, like even, you know, some of those references that they did, like I didn't even really put it together until you, you just mentioned it, you know, but you know, I, I did get quite a few of them and I think that, you know, they did it well, they did it tastefully, you know, it's like, like in star Wars, I feel like 
they're a trying to pull the wool over your eyes by like saying, "Oh, we got this cool new movie," and then they like, they go run behind the uh, behind the couch, like hoping that we don't realize that it's the same film as the first film that ever came out back in 1978, with some world-ending, planet-destroying ship. You know what I mean? Secondly. Secondly, they put in reference... The planet-destroying MacGuffin. Right, exactly. <laughs> the planet-destroying MacGuffin, exactly. <laughs> so it's like... And then the second thing is, is, I feel like they cram in references. Like, they're just cramming them in there. And it's like, don't cram them in. If they happen naturally, that's okay. Don't cram them in there. Because nobody likes that. Yeah, nobody likes cramming. Don't be, don't be one of those. <laughs> Sounds like a, you know, like a mom. Don't be one of those, honey. The um, In the same... In the same... In the same what, Chad? In, in this episode, along the same uh, lines as the references to older movies, I like the references to newer movies, too, where I, I really enjoyed the tie-ins to the MCU with, like, Jaiman Hansu's character who gets killed in Guardians and Ronan the Accuser being in it and the and Agent whatever being in it with Sammy Jackson. I really enjoyed all those tie-ins and stuff, and even the origin of the Tesseract stuff. You know, one of the Infinity Stones or whatever. That was great. Yeah, yeah. Good good call. It, it really kind of gave a fair bit of depth to the film. Yeah, I definitely brought a lot of depth to the film. And it really knitted together, like, you know, it sort of knitted the story in with the other ones in a really great way. Like, I really loved that uh, Korath was in this one and had that expanded role that, you know, expanded on what he did in uh, the beginnings of the Guardians of the Galaxy film. Which was Korath, Jaiman Hansu? Yeah, Jaiman Hansu. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I really liked him in The Guardians, and it was just such a quick... It was almost a cameo for him, because the role was so small. So it was cool to see him again. I kind of wish they had done a little a little scene where, like, he was in the middle of, like, you know, lecturing uh, Jude Law, and, like, all of a sudden he gets a call, and it's and it's Drax the Destroyer, and he's like... <laughs> no, wait, on, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. I have to take this. Uh, <laughs> oh, man, that would have been funny. I, uh, okay, yeah, so... so Finish up what you're doing, and otherwise we got to take care of it. I have to go deal with this asshole. <laughs> I know it was, it was it was in the '90s, so it was, it was not in the right timeline, but still. I will say this: I will say that that's you know that section um, when they were all in the ship heading for the mission originally, and that guy was making fun of him, and he goes. I do laugh. I laugh on the inside. <laughs> I thought that was, that was so funny. hysterical, man. I was laughing out loud, very loudly in the theater, and I was the only one laughing. <laughs> and then that made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, I like that too. Because I was like, oh, you nerds, you do not laugh. <laughs> <laughs> and your 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 laugh is uh, pretty epic as well. So It's not like, you know, Heath Ledger as the Joker, but it's it's still good. <laughs> Fair enough. You didn't slam anyone's head on a table with a pencil or anything, so that's good. I I did not do that. Yes. <laughs> the um when I was uh, putting together the show notes for last week's music episode, I realized that this movie this week is like the perfect follow up to the MTV episode. Obviously, because it was in the same time frame, but totally. Also, I ended up downloading an episode 120 minutes to try and capture the audio of the host. Oh my uh, god! Was it, was it Ricky Rackman or the other one? The other guy? No, Matt Pinfield. Matt Pinfield. Matt Pinfield. I was trying to get Matt Pinfield's audio to see if it lined up with your impression, and the entire episode of 120 minutes had like literally had half of the soundtrack from Captain Marvel in it. Like Elastica was in it, and it was really it's like the most perfect, the perfect thing ever. That's great, man. What I you know it's funny that you bring that up because I after we did that episode, I actually. Because I don't know why I never thought to do it when we did the music episode or the part two episode, but I um I did a ton of reading about Matt Pinfield after we did that episode, and I wish that I had spent more time talking about him because he is a really accomplished person in the music and rock and roll field. Like he's been honored by the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Like he did, they revived 120 minutes, like within the last seven years and they ran it for a few years on MTV two. Like all these really cool things. I'm not kidding. Yeah. Yeah. It was really neat. It was, it was awesome to touch on a lot of that old stuff again. Oh, totally, man. And it was awesome. It was awesome that Captain Marvel touched on it too. Like, I think, I think it's true that it hasn't been that much time for us necessarily, but 
it is coming around to that point in time where a lot of the creators that are getting the budgets to create are our are our age. So they are making stuff that throws back. You know, like Stranger Things is an example, I think, of like clearly the guys grew up at that time and they did an awesome job of throwing back to a certain time. Oh my God. Yes, absolutely. Um, can I digress for one second since you brought that up, Chad? Have you guys watched The Umbrella Academy on Netflix? No, what's that? Oh man. Oh yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. It was great. I'm only I'm on episode seven. It's so good, man. Yeah, a bit of homework for the, the audience. Let's watch it's it a, and talk about it. Yeah, it's a little bit it's a little um it's superhero y and it's um I don't know, it's really cool, man. I don't even know how to describe it. It's it's definitely it's its own story. It's not like, you know, some tie in or rip off of some D C thing or some Marvel thing. It's it's really cool, man, and I I'm really enjoying the story. Yeah, sweet. It is based. On, it is based on a comic, though. I don't remember. I think it might be an Image comic or Dark Horse. I thought it. Was, I oh, is that right? Comic, is it? I thought it was based on a book. Uh, uh, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to live time fact check. Fact check. Oh, he's gonna real time follow up. He's live fact checking, folks. I think it is Dark Horse, and I think it says as much on uh, Netflix. But I, could be. I just I want to say something for the folks at home. Folks at home, when Ben starts live checking a fact. In the middle of a show, <laughs> that's when the show goes into turbo overdrive. So get ready. There's some heavy shit coming up here. And here's your turbo overdrive. Yes, it was Dark Horse. Oh, I loved Ooh. how it was just kind of like, yes, it was. Nice. That's it. <laughs> it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you were just talking about comic books, it reminded me um, of a thought I had the other night. God, that's the weirdest way to intro a thought. But um, so many insults I could say right there, but I won't. Go ahead. Yeah, just just leave it. Just leave it. Yeah, there was there was a bit of a janky transition there, bud. But okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, this is the best transition ever. Well, I've always thought about how hard it is to turn a book into a movie because you know the reading time of a book is ten or twelve hours, and you don't have ten or twelve hours in a movie. Blah blah blah. We all have talked about that a million times. But I had never really thought about how a comic book becoming a movie is diff- is difficult in a completely different way where the comic book creators have a weekly or monthly schedule where they can play with and do whatever they want with the stories and reboot it and do all kinds of crazy stuff. And so it gives them a lot of space and room to maneuver that even mm. a series like a multi-season series on a Netflix wouldn't really do. So it's like a especially challenging to take the playfulness of comic books and make it into a movie in a way. Mm. Yes, I I never really thought about it in that sense, but it kind of strikes me. And I really like that. Completely different than turning a book into a movie or a book into a series. Yeah, I never thought about that. I really like that. Yeah, I mean, it seems like incredibly daunting to me, like almost more daunting than trying to write a Star Wars movie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Writing a Star Wars movie is easy. Just uh, just plagiarize another Star Wars movie. It's easy. You get you get money, no problem. Right, exactly. Or base a character on the whining of all of the fans. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but like I, I think that it's even more difficult because it's like really to adapt it into a film. It's so different in terms of it being a medium. Like you, you really have to take liberties with the story and you have to, you know, go in your own direction. And that's the one of the strengths, I think, of the, the MCU is that, you know, they're telling stories the way that they will work in a live action film. And I think that that's smart, but um, because there's so many films, this is the 21st film in the Marvel cinematic universe. Wow. And this is, this was also the highest grossing film of 2019. Well, so far of 2019. And um, you know, they've, they've created a whole world with all of these films. So they don't need to worry too much about the source material and how accurate they're being. I mean, cause they're certainly not doing it with captain Marvel. I mean, you know, the, the, there were like five other Captain Marvels before the Carol Danvers Captain Marvel came along. So, you know, right. I think that's a strength of, of what they're doing. I think it's almost like why they feel like they've gone with um, sort of the Avengers movies as an overarching thing. And then, you know, the offshoot comics are a little, you know, are, are fairly well known, like Iron Man and Thor and you know, all that kind of thing. Uh, but then like diving deeper into it, you have you know kind of Guardians of the galaxy and captain marvel and black panther and ant-man you know, ant-man exactly um and these are sort of like you know they're lesser known than say spider-man who is also a character in these movies sure but it's like they've 
focus more on the lesser known stuff so that it's almost like expectations can't be destroyed you know mm. so people are it, maybe there's something to that i don't know but but it seems like maybe it's a smart business move too it's just more franchises for yeah. them potentially yeah, yeah. definitely yeah Absolutely. Well, clearly Wonder Woman caught caught them off guard. They didn't expect for it to be as much of a smash hit as it was, which is great that it was because it opens the door for a lot more experimental, trying new stuff that isn't really tried kind of things we touched on earlier in the episode. Yeah. And if I can just jump in real quick on Wonder Woman, Chad, um, not only was it an unexpected hit, it was a great period piece. In fact, I said this on my other show. I said, because we talked about this, we were talking about women in film, and I said, that's a great period piece. It's a great film. Like, it's a straight-up great film. And it's also, um, it was also the best of the DC films. Oh, for sure. That had come out to date. Like, I'm I'm in the minority. I loved Batman versus Superman, but like... Yeah, definitely the minority. It was... Wonder Woman is easily one of the best ones. Yeah, um, I'm going to mirror exactly what you said, Kev. Uh, Wonder Woman is still my favorite out of uh, all of the recent DC movies. And yes, you are in the minority on uh, Batman versus Superman. (laughs) And Ben, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. <laughs> I know <laughs> it's okay. I, I'm I'm in the minority with uh, that Superman film with Brandon Ruth. Like most people hated it. I guess I really enjoyed that one. I, I've always felt that that was my favorite DC movie up until Wonder Woman, not including like the Batman's and stuff. You know what? That is a, that is a good movie. The, here's what I'll say about that film. It's I felt like um, who did that? Brett Ratner or was it? I think so. Brian Singer. No, it was Brian Singer who did it. Right? No, they, I don't fucking know. Whatever. <laughs> It was Brian Singer. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. Um, he, I feel, I feel like he, he tried to make it too much like the Donner movies, and I was just like, "Why are you doing that?" Just seemed dated in that way. Like that was sort of my only complaint about it. Other than that, the characters were great. I feel like the, um, I feel like the Wonder Woman surprising the executives that it made money. It shouldn't have been a fucking surprise, but I'm glad that it's caused more diverse um, and or risky movies to be made in terms of like the Ant Man's of the world, like you were saying, Benny. There you go, right. Mm. But I also feel like there's a conscious decision on the studio's part to focus on those movies because you're not like like trying to do star- uh, Spider-Man movies is, is tough, right? Like, yeah, that, uh, it needs to be big. A bunch of them have been done. It's got to be big. And also Spider-Man is extremely popular. So people have a lot of expectations when it comes to Spider-Man movies, you know, whereas Iron Man was popular, but probably not as popular as Spider-Man right like spider-man is probably the biggest he's like he's like marvel's superman basically right i mean he's he's, he's probably one of the more popular i i could be wrong about this i haven't looked at the, at the statistics or anything but I, I feel like you're right and i feel like because iron man wasn't as big they gave favreau a bit of uh a bit of leeway to to be risky and it, it paid off yeah yeah exactly so like this whole arc you know that that's been sort of like coming off of the avengers it was, I think, a pretty smart move on Marvel Studios' part to, to not start, like, for them to not, like, you know, not not that they could do the X-Men because Sony had it, but, um, you know, it was it was, uh, it was good. A plot line in the movie that didn't go where I expected it to go and, and ended up falling a bit flat for me was the, the kind of bait and switch where the Kree were the good guys in the beginning and then became the bad guys and the shapeshifter dudes were the bad guys and it flipped around. Um, the double agent shit just wasn't super believable to me. Early in the film, Ben Mendelsohn was like the worst person ever of killing everyone indiscriminately. And then like one scene in the movie, he's like, actually, I'm really friendly. Wink, wink. We're besties now. And it was just kind of like, what the fuck was that all about? Yeah, that was a little, that was a little, that was a little vanilla, man, for sure. Uh, like when Ronan the Destroyer shows up in one of the holograms or whatever, I thought that they were going to kind of go down a rabbit hole of when a good quote unquote society goes bad and like how like a society can can think it's doing all the right things or or like from its perspective, it's it's not being immoral or amoral or bad. And then they end up in a bad space. And I thought that would have been kind of an interesting thing to see how like a Ronan the Destroyer like character is on like a decent it is like a member of a decent society that then goes to shit through whatever mechanism they choose to to go down. I think that would have been a super interesting take on it. And that's what I thought they were going to do. And then when it was just a flip around, I was like, yeah, whatever. Right. But I mean, it is it is all about perception, man, and where you're standing in any situation. So like, while I do get what you're saying, Chad, and the way they flipped it around was a little bit vanilla, I liked how they did play with that perception of 
you know, the Kree being these like, hey, we're super cool good guys. Let's go get a Coke. And then later on, it was like, you know, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, we're the good guys, you know, like. Yeah. But it, yeah, it's really a matter of perspective, man. You know, I but I do agree that the way they did it was definitely a little like, you know, oh, hey, by the way, let's go get that Coke. Yeah, yeah. So I'm between both of you on that because uh, I feel like the mechanics of it were a little, it was a <laughs> Again, a bit of a janky, jankity transition there. Sort of like the, the old switcheroo, you know, the, the the quick flip-flop. I felt like that happened sort of in Solo with like with uh, Woody Woody Harrelson's character and and the Emphis Emphis Nest, which is like you know. Yeah, I like that Emphis Nest reveal as a, a young girl though. That was awesome. I was I did not I didn't see that coming, and maybe I was just being you know absorbed by the film at the time. But I really like that. Yeah, yeah, but but it was kind of like a. a you know, it, from Han's perspective, that that was a quick decision on his part to make. You know, yeah, right. That's true. That's true. It's like, oh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna kill my my scoundrel mentor now because uh, you know this girl's clearly in a in a tough spot. Yeah, you know, and her people <laughs> in a tough spot. You know, like, I, I'm an amoral <laughs> smuggler type, but I'm just gonna, yeah start the rebellion by making this decision randomly with a person I just met. Yeah, it's like, okay, okay, Star Wars, which is he? Is he is he a dirty scoundrel or is he like a, you know, super moral, like, right, you know, <laughs> uh, empathetic, you know, where he's least about himself kind of person, like. He's that scoundrel <laughs> that's struggling with being a good person on the inside, Ben. That's what it's really all about. <laughs> but com. that's that's his character arc in the original trilogy. Like you, you steal the thunder of the original trilogy Han Solo character by having him already being a good guy in his prequel. You know, like it's just, it seems like a weird thing to do. Mm, seems like something he would have come to. You felt like in the you know in the original trilogy that Han Solo was kind of a shitty person before, and that and that it's sort of his redemption arc, and he's like he's come around and he felt bad about his life. Like you get that sort of impression, and like yeah, you're right, it steals the thunder. It's like oh no no no, he was good all along. He's just he's like the smart person who pretends to be stupid to get along with people better or whatever. You know, like, he's he's really a good guy at heart, but he pretends to be bad to protect his his soft you know his, his soft innards or whatever. <laughs> Not to go off on a tangent about Solo, but... But in terms of the, like, Captain Marvel Kree flip-flop thing, it seems like ever since uh, The Sixth Sense made millions and millions of dollars unexpectedly, every, every single studio is like, you have to have a uh, you have to have a switcheroo in every movie. You have to have a double switcheroo or a triple switcheroo. And she's like, all right, guys. Whoa, triple switcheroo. A double switcheroo. twist, a, a triple twist. But we'll break the switcheroo meter if we do that. Yeah, I mean, but these aren't, like... These aren't M. Night, M. Night style, like, you know, didn't see it coming kind of, you know, sophisticated switcheroos. They're like, it's, it's more like they just we got halfway through the movie and they're like, how are we going to move this along? Oh, yeah. Okay, we <laughs> Let's just change it all up. <laughs> Let's just change it all up. <laughs> I've covered all of the little notes that I had other than digging into the soundtrack a bit more, whether we choose to do that or not. Um, do you guys have anything else that, that you... Um, had on your list? No, uh, just just a little sort of honorable mention Easter egg that she's wearing an Nine Inch Nails t-shirt. Yeah, that was awesome. Ooh, yeah, I like that. In her Terminator scene, yes, she steals the uh, the Harley. Very cool. <laughs> the only other thing I was going to say, I'll comment about the music. I didn't, you know, the soundtracks are the scores rather. There's becoming more of a a thread in the way that the music is used in these films, because now they're all interconnected. So, you know, anyway, like, so GOG is really the the standout in Marvel with those, you know, awesome mixtape soundtracks. And this one, I really liked how they threw in all those 90s tunes. I love that they used only female artists, but um, the score itself, I, I don't know, it was sort of unremarkable. The standouts were really the songs in the film, like the, the 90s tracks. I thought that they were well chosen, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot I'm going to have to reserve for a deeper dive. I like doing these podcasts like with a, with a fresh new movie in your mind, but like I, I really only absorbed about 10% of it, I think. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what more there is to it. And that's sort of where the 7.5 comes from. It's like, yeah, you know, a movie in that range for me is one that like, entertained me you know i liked it whether or not it's going to be like a classic i don't know you know but um i don't know about a classic yeah but i agree with you man i i can't you know like i need multiple views and you know people are so they always ask me like why do you watch movies so many times and it's like well why do you listen to the same album so many times like what is the difference you know like yeah, that's a good point it's the same thing and 
the thing is, is that, you know, you, you get that, that new, um, Baroness album and it's like, you're not really absorbing that until you get to like the fifth or the eighth listen through the whole album, man. And, you know, it's, it's ditto for films. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not really starting to absorb it until I get to the third watch or the fifth watch. So, you know, it's, it's tough for me too to go watch a movie last Sunday and then talk about it this Saturday. You know, it's like, I can't retain all that information. I got about a million other things going on, you know? So <laughs> yeah, yeah. again, yeah. like, you know, it's like, I, I, I'm actually looking forward to that deep dive. I think that's a great idea. Actually. That's like something that I've always wanted to do something like that. I didn't know what it was, but you just put it into words, brother. The, the, the nerdy, geeky, deep appreciation of a movie really needs to come from, from being learned about it and knowing lines and, uh, you know, kind of, you know, being able to predict what scene is coming next and all that, you know. Like, I, I couldn't tell you how many times I've seen, this is about Captain Marvel, but like, just for example, like The Big Lebowski, I've seen it so many times. I know almost every line in the movie. It's a classic. No question. You know, it's, and I still, there's still things I missed because I was laughing at, you know, at one part. I was still laughing from that part and something else funny happened in the middle and I missed it because like every time I laugh at the thing and like that one part has always been missed. It takes like so many watches to get to those little gooey bits in the middle and you're like, oh yeah, you know. Exactly. <laughs> the gooey, that's that's the cookie dough in the ice cream bin, you know what I mean? Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, those, so. those gooey bits of the cookie dough in the ice cream, I like that, dude. You're right, and and I mean, the thing is, is that and it's such a testament to how good that film is, or any film of that ilk, you know what I mean? If you're if you're still if you're still missing things and you've you're on like, you know, view number 60, because I'm like that too. I've seen Shawshank probably 50, 60 times. LA Confidential yeah, probably God, 50, yeah. 60 times. You know, those are great films, man. Classics. Dude, for me, uh, The Fountain by Darren Aronofsky, which is my number one all-time film, I had to watch it 20 or 30 times before I, I discovered like the deeper meaning of the film. Like I watched a commentary and Aronofsky's like, there's actually a deeper meaning. I'm not going to give it away. And it took me like 30 watches to get it, you know? Yeah, Chad, that's great. But when you left a second ago, we, we decided that we didn't need you anymore. You what? <laughs> we decided we don't need you. Oh, okay. See ya. You can just you can just be quiet for the rest of the podcast, please. I, d- I didn't fucking interrupt uh, both of you every two seconds, so it was, uh, you're like this is actually quite nice. Don't don't co- don't don't be rolling back in here like you never left. You know, I'm gonna tell the folks at home, like folks at home, he just left to use the bathroom, and he tried to trick you by coming back in and being like, "Oh yeah, I love the fountain like that." You know? like, that's what he's doing. It's a trick, like a Jedi mind trick, but not as cool. Oh, man, it's cool. I'll just edit out all the shit talk and make myself sound really smart. It's cool. Oh shit! The fountain might be the only Aronofsky movie that you want to watch more than once. Oh my god, he's he's got me there, dude. He's just gonna edit. He's gonna edit it all out to make himself sound good and make me sound like the villain. Now that's great. Totally, it's like a reality TV show. It is a reality TV show. That's what we're making next. <laughs> anyway, um, anyway, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, the fountain is definitely on that list of of films like that that I would watch numerous times. Like it's that good, you know. Absolutely. But again, it is the only Arnofsky film that I would watch more than once. Yeah, most of them are a bit uh, over the top. I still think he's one of my favorite directors, but... Yeah, no, he, his movies are amazing, but like they're usually just a, a, so harsh that it's sort of like... Like Requiem. Yeah, they're intense. Yeah, it's, it's not something... It's like a procedure you don't want to go through more than... You know, you, you feel better afterwards, but you don't want to do it again. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. The only other um, comment I would have before we close things out would be um, in previous episodes I've spoken about I've spoken about how sick I am with the same old tropes like especially in the Star Wars episode I spoke about how sick I am of them just re- remaking the same thing over and over and over again and then how like the hero's journey is kind of getting a bit overused and I feel like movies like Captain Marvel or any of the other movies that are made by you know more diverse directors and creators gives us an opportunity to like push past all the repetitiveness because like if only old white dudes get funded for making movies in the past like it's no wonder there's a lot of repetitiveness in the, in the industry and I, the more diverse the creators can be I think the more likely we are to get out of this bullshit and actually have some new storytelling mechanisms and new ways to do things. Agreed. 
Agreed. And folks, that was Chad's closing tirade. We were all happy to be here this week, and we'll see you next time on In This Episode, Everybody Dies. Brought to you by Admiral Akbar's New England-style clam chowder. That's right. <laughs> Creamy and delicious. Just made the Mon Calamari way. <laughs> Perfect. That was a great outro. I should uh, I should cut that in at three different areas in the in the podcast. It sounds like we have advertisers. <laughs> totally. Uh, so next week we're talking um, Prospect, a movie that Benny introduced us to. Yeah, man. Oh God, that's right. Yeah, I can't. I'm excited for that actually. Meaning, I'm ex- I'm excited to watch it. Yeah, totally. It's, it's, yeah. it's a great get, film. Get it, man. It's great. It's really good. In the meantime, I'm looking forward to it. Chat to you guys soon. All right, dudes. Yep, sounds good. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And that's going to wrap up this week's episode. If you want to find links to the stuff we spoke about today, you can find them in the show notes in your podcast app of choice or at the website ebd.fm forward slash seven. If you have any thoughts on the show or an idea for a topic, hit us up on Twitter at ebdpod. You can find me at Mulverine on Twitter. That's M-O-H-L-V-E-R-I-N-E. Chad is at Chad Normal on Twitter, and Ben is at Jarhego on Twitter. That's J A R H E E G O. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time, folks. Bada bing. Where did the power band thing come from? It was from Ben. Oh, really? I just take I just take what is happening and I just reuse it around me. Like Ben once, Ben, remember when? Oh my God, this was like a year and a half ago. It's, it's in it's in your power band, or it's not in your power band. Because because yeah. Ben said we were talking about when to record. This was like a year and a half ago. Oh yeah, and I said like. Yeah. You know, you were like, well, I'm up at this time in the morning. And we were like, well, we're the, 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 and we're going back and forth. And Ben said, like, five to 8 p.m. is definitely my power band. And I just thought that was great, man. And like, I don't know. <laughs> so when I was trying to come up with a little quick intro that we could use temporarily or whatever, I was like, I'm just going to say that because that's funny. <laughs> it's funny to me. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I like it. Oh, it's great. We've got three names. We've got we've got the Blah Podcast. We've got Broadcasting from the Power Band. And we've got, in this episode, Everybody Dies. That's perfect. <laughs> like, I mean, the idea was like, you know, we're, like, uh, that's where we're broadcasting from, is within our power band. Yes, yes. I, something like that. I don't know. Anyway. And get out your fucking checkbook. That was hilarious, by the way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to work that in for next week's chat.